0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Saturdays podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. Good morning again to, to all who are here. And, and <clears throat> over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Matt, when he's spoken, has spoken to us about fasting with this uh, upcoming corporate fast that that we're going to do. And he referenced the account from Mark nine seventeen to 29, which says, One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him in both the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out in tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, "Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many people said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he rose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could we not cast it out?" So he said to them, "This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting." And here's the thing. Jesus said that, that it required prayer and fasting to cast out that demon, but in the account we see that Jesus neither fasted nor prayed. He simply commanded the Spirit, and it came out. And and the reason is because prayer and fasting, time apart in communion with the Father, was part of Jesus' lifestyle. In John 5.19, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. And if, and if we want to see, if in order to see what the Father's doing, then we need to separate ourselves from the distractions of the world. Like Jesus, we need to be in the habit of setting time apart for prayer and, and communion and communication with God. In order to be prepared to help somebody in a desperate need, we need to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. In the account of Esther, she asked for fasting and prayer before coming before the king on behalf of the people. And all of the Jewish people came together for that corporate focus. So it's good for us to have those times of corporate prayer and fasting. But there may be times in our lives that there won't be time to call for a fast or or times that there isn't time to activate a prayer chain. So like Jesus, we need to be ready to command spirits to come out. Last week we saw in the message that, that the word prayer, the way it was used in, in the text in Daniel, had the, the meaning of humbling, humbly bowing before God. In 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, God, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time, He may exalt you. And fasting is a way that that we can humble ourselves, so that God can exalt us as He works in us and through us. Also last week, Matt shared the familiar account of Daniel in the lion's den. And I encourage you to listen to the podcast if you weren't here, and even if you were, to hear again Some of the great things that happened in that account. One of the things he showed us was that even the pagan king Darius fasted and prayed on behalf of Daniel. And then in Daniel 6, 26 and 27, Darius says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever, and his kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And we'll see later on today that, that the predecessor to Darius, the first king that, that Daniel served when they were in captivity in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, also acknowledged God. And that account will be in Daniel 4. Perhaps Darius learned a little bit from Nebuchadnezzar's experience because it took a little more for Nebuchadnezzar to acknowledge God than it did for Darius. Before we go there, though, I want to remind you again what Jesus instructs us about fasting. In Matthew 6, 16 to 18, he says, Now whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face As the hypocrites do. For they distort their faces so that they will be noticed by people when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So the fact that he says whenever you fast indicates that we should fast. And it also tells us that we don't fast to show our holiness to others. We don't try and impress them with our fasting. But you know who else we shouldn't try to impress with our fasting? is God. We don't fast so that we can persuade God to do something. We aren't trying to change His mind about a situation or circumstance. Instead, we fast... So that removing the distractions from our lives, we can see what God is doing. And we can come into an alignment and agreement with Him. You know the greatest formula that there is to having our prayers answered? Is to pray in agreement with what God's doing. There's no more simple way to know that our prayers will be answered than to pray in agreement with Him. In Mark 2, 18 and 20, when Jesus was asked why his disciples didn't have to fast or why they didn't fast at that time, he said that it was because he was with them. And so for us, until we learn to fully abide in his presence, fasting is an important practice in our lives to help us see and hear God. So as we begin to look at the account of Daniel 4, I want to first start with a little background from Chapter 3. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made a statue of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and its width was 6 cubits. He set it upon the plain of Dura and in the province of Babylon. Then the herald proudly or loudly proclaimed, "To, to you the command is given, you peoples, nations, and populations of all languages, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, Saltry bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be immediately thrown into the middle of the furnace of the blazing fire. And if we're familiar with that account, we know that it was Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that defied the order. And were thrown into the fire. And we know in that account that God not only spared them, but even more he exalted them. In verses 28 to 30, it says, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants who put their trust in him violating the king's command, and surrendered their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or population of the language that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses made a rubbish heap, because there is no other god who is able to save in this way." And then the king made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prosperous in the province of Babylon. Say so where they were spared and exalted. So now let's look at, at chapter 4. And I want you to bear with me because it's a fairly long account, but it's one that was hard to, to find places that I could uh, edit out. Or, and I didn't want to just do uh, my own... Um, version of the story. I want, I want the word of God to speak. So chapter 4 of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and populations of all languages who live in all the earth, may your peace be great. I am pleased to declare to you the signs and miracles that the most high God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his miracles. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and happy in my palace, and I saw a dream and it startled me. And these appearances as I lay in my bed and the visions in my mind kept alarming me, so I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, so that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream." Then the soothsayers, priests, the sorcerers of the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in, and I related to the dream, the the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally, Daniel came in, before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I related to him, saying, Chief. Soothsayer of the priest, since I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no secret baffles you, tell me the interpretation. Now these were the visions in my mind. As I lay on my bed, I was looking and behold, there was a tree in the middle of the earth and its height was great and the tree grew large and became strong and its height reached to the sky and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The animals of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky lived in its branches. And all living creatures fed from it. I was looking up in the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven, and he shouted out and spoke the following. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Shake off its foliage and scatter its fruit and let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it, in the new grass of the field, and uh, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him share with the animals in the grass of the earth, and let his mind change from that of a human, and let an animal's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. This is the sentence by the decree of the angelic watchers, and this decision, a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and he grants it to whomever he wishes, and sets it over the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, tell me its interpretation, since none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, because the spirit of the gods is in you." Then Daniel was appalled, for while as his thoughts alarmed him, the king replied and said, Do not let the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Daniel replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you, and its interpretation to your adversaries, that the tree that you saw, it is you, O king. For you have become great and grown strong and in your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. And in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and say, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump and its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven And let him share with the animals of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the King. That you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the animals of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle and drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize That the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And that was the command, and that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree. Your kingdom will remain as yours after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O King, my advice be pleasing to you. Wipe away your sin by doing righteousness and your wrongdoings by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. And then it continues. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. The king began speaking and was saying, Is it not Babylon the Great, which I have myself built as a royal residence by the might and the power for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, the voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you and you'll be driven away from mankind. And your dwelling place will be with the animals of the field. You'll be given grass like, grass to eat like the cattle. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it to whomever he wishes." Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven And my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and raised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are of no account, but he does according to his will among the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can fend off his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the honor of my kingdom. And my state counselors and my nobles began seeking me out, and I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven." For all his works are true, and all his ways are just. And he is able to humble those who walk in pride. So Darius saw and experienced the way God provided for the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had to go a little tougher road. He had to be humbled. So what does this account have to do with fasting? It's really, it's about our motivation, It's about humbling ourselves. Proverbs 6.18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. So it's not about gaining God's attention, but it's rather about us giving Him our attention. If we don't humble ourselves, God might allow things to humble us. If we don't give Him our attention, He might cause circumstances... In our lives to get our attention. I think not only of Nebuchadnezzar in this account, but I I think also of a, a guy in the Old Testament named Jonah. A guy that found himself, because he stayed away from God's will or refused God's will, he found himself in the belly of a whale. So practicing fasting in our lives might keep us out of the wilderness, it might keep us out of the belly of a whale. So as we close today, and as we think about our upcoming corporate fast, we need to remember that in order to get to the place and get to the point where we can hear what God is saying and do what He's doing, we need to practice. We need to practice His presence. So I want us just for a couple of minutes to try to set aside... All of the distractions. To try not to think about what we're going to do this afternoon about that game that's coming at 4 o'clock or anything else that we're thinking about this afternoon or tomorrow or later this week. Hebrews 12.2 says that looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of god so for these next few minutes we're going to take a time a quiet time to look only at jesus i want you to picture him if you can at the right hand of the throne of god where hebrews four sixteen says that there we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need And if he's calling you to to do something that feels a little uncomfortable or into something that's new, I want you to picture him standing in the water and calling you to step out of the boat like he did Peter. And if you feel like you're in the wilderness, raise your eyes and look up to him. If you're struggling with some difficulty in your life, whether it's physical, financial, whatever the case may be, If you're struggling with a difficulty, I want you to picture him on the cross and hear him say, it is finished. Ask God to see what he's doing in the situation and circumstances you're facing. So let's just take a a couple minutes. It might seem like a longer time because we don't often practice it. But let's take a couple minutes and just sit in the quietness of God and see him. So now, Heavenly Father, we praise and exalt and honor you as King, the King of Heaven, for all your works are true and all your ways are just. We thank you, Lord God, that you are patient with us and allow us to to practice the things that we need to do to become part of our lifestyle, that we would get to a point where we fully abide in you, where we walk with you. Whereas scripture says we're in a place where we can pray without ceasing. Where our communion, regardless of the things of the world, is with you. Help us to see from heaven's perspective. Like the seraphim in Isaiah 6 who said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Help us to see from heaven's you. That regardless of the situations and circumstances around us, from the heaven's view, from heaven's perspective, the glory of God fills the earth. And as those who are sent by Jesus, help us to be the ones who would carry that glory through the earth. Help us to be those that would answer the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Because Jesus, you said the kingdom of God is in us, so let us be those who would bring the will of God, the Word of God, to earth as it is in heaven, in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you for being here and continue to practice even a little bit each day. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. I'm digging a well, I'm digging a well right here. I'm digging a well. In the valley of my weeping, I'm digging away.